Hey everyone, welcome to episode 106 of the Switch Focus podcast. I'm your host, Andy Corrigan. With me as always is Andrew Brown. Episode 106! <laughs> and we've got a pack show for you this week. Uh, I'm going to talk about my experiences with the uh, Hori Mario Kart Mini Pro Wheel uh, and a bunch of racing games that I've been catching up on because of that. Uh, I'm going to touch on uh, Warface and its co-op mode. Uh, we're going to talk about Murder by Numbers, something that uh, Andrew has been hotly anticipating. And we're going to talk about Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Rescue Team DX. Okay, so let's get straight on to the updates from the previous episodes. So, uh, Warface, uh, I talked about this in depth a couple of episodes back. It's uh, the free-to-play shooter by Crytek. I had a lot of fun with it, uh, and I keep going back here and there. And uh, I decided I'd check out the co-op mode. It is the first... uh, option you get when you boot into the game uh, but I just went straight to the competitive multiplayer for some reason uh, so in the co-op uh, you can team up with up to five others to work your way through a PvE map where you complete objectives, you have to breach areas, you have to hold buildings uh, while not dying. So you just you work through as a team, it, it really helps if your team has like a, a balanced set of classes so you can you know, work against any eventuality I, I played a match today, we had barely any medics which became a problem very quickly as they uh, dropped us into a hot zone uh, where we were just constantly under fire straight away and we just lost anyone who had any ability to heal there was a lot of uh, team quitting at that point and then it was just me and one other who managed to work through through the mission pretty well aside from that occasional hiccup where people aren't selecting their teams well uh, I've had a lot of fun with this it's like playing a uh, Call of Duty level but with actual teammates that can think and don't get in your way when you're trying to shoot um, and something I'm probably going to jump into here and there whenever I just fancy something shooty and the, the, the switch is close to hand I, I, I like this mode a lot. I think the the PvP multiplayer stuff is is really the the bread and butter of the game but this is this is definitely worth a, a look if you want something a bit more chill and uh, like you feel like you're achieving goals along the way. Okay, so the uh, the other update uh, I had was uh, the Hori Mario Kart Racing Pro Wheel Mini. Uh, so I'm on annual leave at the moment. We're having a staycation, but we've been having a bunch of outings. And we went to uh, South Australia's famous Glenelg Beach, where we uh, we went on a Ferris wheel, which is a, a first for me somehow at nearly 40. Um, and we went to the, the local arcade there, uh, Beachside Arcade, with, and they had Mario Kart. Uh, I'd never played the arcade version before, but I had, had a blast uh, and kind of wished I could replicate it at home. Then I remembered that Andrew had got the uh, Hori Mini Wheel for Christmas and was really happy with it. Uh, so I checked in with him just to make sure my memory was correct, uh, and I sought one out the day after. So the wheel itself is it's definitely a budget wheel. It's a little plasticky, uh, but it works perfectly fine. Um, As Andrew mentioned when he did his review, there is a a larger pro version that has a better build quality with faux leather and uh, some other like mod cons that uh, make it more akin to the pro wheels that Logitech um, produce. Uh, I have the G29 for PlayStation and PC, which is like full force feedback, like wonderful quality. Um, that bigger pro wheel still lacks the force feedback, uh, so functionally the the mini wheel and the full size one are, are very similar. Um, but you can adjust the max turn on the bigger one, um, which makes I'm going to touch on a reason why that's a benefit later. 
Uh, also, I hadn't seen the larger one anywhere in Australia until after the, d- the day I bought the mini one <laughs> when we went to uh, the other side of the state to check out some second-hand shops. There was an EB there, and it was the only one I'd seen in the whole of South Australia, so that was interesting. But uh, the reason I, I wanted the mini is because I don't really have the storage room for another big wheel, uh, and I felt the small one would be would good enough for, for kart races at least so uh, yeah um when i unboxed it i was worried about how small it was initially did you have that concern no i i thought it was quite large actually <laughs> i was like this is the mini oh my goodness <laughs> um i thought the pedal unit in particular was causing me concern because i have big dopey feet but honestly i've had no problems with it on the carpet it's not moved at all which is uh, i've had problems with that on better wheels and uh, the wheel itself just like for the game that it's made for, which is Mario Kart 8, is just natively supported and works wonderfully with no faffing. It, it just feels great. The whole exercise just also re- served as a great reminder as to how good Mario Kart 8 is. Like, honestly, it's it's outright one of the best racing games ever. But of course, I paid for the wheels, so I thought I should check out some other races just to justify the purchase and to, to see how well they worked with the wheel. So I'm just going to run through a few here. I'm going to try not to go too too deep onto the games themselves because uh, Andrew's done done most of that and I, from my experience with most of them I would say that I align with his his feelings really uh, so Team Sonic Racing we'll start with uh, specific specifically with the wheel it doesn't natively support it like Mario Kart does but it's easy to fix with the wheels reprogrammable buttons um, it worked fine but I found it had a heavy dead spot which makes making fine adjustments really annoying. Hmm. Um, and that caused me some issues, particularly on the challenge modes. Uh, there's a good amount of turn where the, the cart just doesn't react at all. Uh, I don't know if that's the same on pad. I, I didn't bother trying because I'd bought the wheel and I wanted to use it. Uh, the races themselves were fine because I'd learned to adjust just with it. Uh, as for the game itself, I was a huge fan of the previous Sonic racing game, which was Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed. Uh, I felt that was such a high standard for the subgenre at that time that I preferred it over Mario Kart Wii. Uh, Team Sonic Racing feels like a huge letdown in comparison to that game. I kind of wish they just ported Racing Transform, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the problems with that is the team element uh, has some neat ideas, uh, but they don't always gel, uh, and especially not in single player. Um, the stuff I liked was being able to get recovered after getting hit by an item if a teammate swings by and touches you while you're recovering that was cool i liked the slip streaming stuff but that sort of stuff should just be built into a racing game anyway but i found it did also encourage a good racing line because it was one of the few ways you could help your teammates uh work their way up the pack was by having a steady line and not wobbling all over the place um, and swapping items was also smart uh the bad stuff though is the ai was dumb uh they kept wanting to use the ultimate team move which is a a special team boost maneuver at the wrong time uh where i found it was always best to save it for the last race where i'm absolutely well prone to making a mistake (laughs) that cost me the race so it was always like my get out of the jail free card Um, and i kept finding they'd push me off the track on important corners when trying to slingshot I also disliked the fact that I could win a race personally, but then my AI teammates being dumb mm-hmm. uh, could mean that we lose winning as a team. That was just outright frustrating, because that's not my fault. I won. Where were you guys? Uh, I can see how the team elements would work brilliantly in a multiplayer scenario, but honestly, who's playing this long-term multiplayer? 
but yeah with three player control characters on a team i can see that working a lot better because you can strategize and help each other out when when the most need it but in single player it's a bit of a miss uh then we get onto the adventure mode where i did enjoy working my way through the the seven chapters uh but i soon grew to dislike most of the challenges part of that is the the racing wheel with the dead zone um particularly the ring challenge i hated where you need to drift through the rings to keep adding time back to your timer uh and to a lesser extent the the daredevil challenges which were they had an easy workaround where you just drive normally and do a little jab at the the drift button when you were passing through it to get the max points Part of my issue there is definitely skill-based. Um, it's just a thing I couldn't get. Tries I might, I could only hit silver on a handful of those ring challenges. Um, but the margin of error for a passing grade is just so incredibly small, and a bronze isn't enough to get you a pass. So why is that even a ranking? I don't understand. Uh, so I don't think they worked out brilliantly either. Um, it should just be bronze, silver, gold and all three of those give you like a like one star two star three star i don't see the point in having four and then having two of those just arbitrarily not give you any reward for for beating it i was looking at tips online for how to do these uh, ring drifts and they kept saying to use technique drivers in these modes but um because they've got better control but i found they turned too sharp like the their control was so good that it was like one to one um that it would just be an instant turn and I'd, I'd miss a whole bunch of rings uh whereas i could get sonic to hold the lines while drifting much better the the long uh, rows of rings weren't where i struggled it was the bits in between really luckily only one of each of these uh, challenge modes is mandatory so i ended up just ignoring most of them from about the halfway point and just took the path of least resistance to the end of the map to finish the game uh i don't know how you felt about about the adventure my memory's sketchy but chapter seven was super disappointing because it was just the same race type over and over again where it's just your team against a bunch of Egg- eggman or robotniks bots but it's just functionally the same as any other race what were your feelings on the adventure mode i found the adventure mode pretty bland and mm-hmm. i was annoyed because the whole reason i got it was i was looking at screenshots of the adventure mode and it has kind of a super mario brothers 3 style world map like that was my mm-hmm. entire motivation for getting team sonic racing as ridiculous as that might seem and there are are locks on the map and then you earn keys from doing the races i thought okay you, you use the keys to open the locks but actually no uh <laughs> you use the stars yeah so <laughs> you you earn keys but you don't open the locks with the keys you just earn keys to earn keys it, it was yeah <laughs> yeah pretty dumb. just bad design ever but anyway yeah yeah it, it was it's not a bad game but it's not a, a good game either there's not much really to say about it it's a sonic game it's a typical sonic game yeah in, in the end i thought it was passable um i enjoyed the the two days i spent with it but it it, it wasn't even up to dethroning its predecessor let alone mario kart 8 so uh, yeah uh, so the next game I tried with the wheel was uh, Crash Team Racing. Yeah. So specifically, also not natively supported, but there's less things to fix with the wheels uh, in built remaps. Uh, there is no dead zone on Crash Team Racing, yeah. which was neat, which means the handling is just superb all around. Really enjoying playing this one with the wheel. Uh, the game itself, like instantly so much better than Team Sonic Racing, particularly in the adventure mode. Uh, there's more fun to be found in, in the hub worlds that you get between each each race. Uh, there's things to go back into the races for if you're into collectathons and challenges. I really like that aspect. 
for the gameplay, it seems to me that you need to be drifting all the time to stand a chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but none of the corners so far have seemed particularly well suited for it. I've just beaten the first island or the first area. I think they're in islands. So like you you know, it just seems like you would it would make sense just to hold the the racing line because all the corners seem easy. But then, um, as you talked about when you when you last played this, the the rubber banding is pretty horrendous. We'll touch on the difficulty in a second. Um, I also like that the drifting is more skillful than the other games. Um, if you want the boost anyway, uh, so you there's two drift buttons. You you hold the drift button and turn in, and then you have to wait for some telltale signs as a meter and the uh, smoke from the back of your cart will go black and you can press the other drift button to trigger a boost and you can sort of chain these together. I haven't quite mastered that yet. I've got the one down pat, uh, which helped me in the first boss fight. Um, Now the difficulty, you gave me the reminder heads up about to play it on easy because of that hideous rubber banding, but even on easy you can see that it's a, a deliberate mechanic. So thanks for the heads up on that, by the way. I, I did also <laughs> Google it, and playing on easy is the popular opinion, even for people that loved it originally. Yeah. Uh, apparently the sewer level in particular is uh, utterly ridiculous. So, uh, yeah. Uh, that, that's my tip. Uh, I've only really just started on this, so I, I'll offer more uh, thoughts later down the line. But, uh, yeah, I really like it so far. It's instantly leagues ahead of uh, Team Sonic Racing. Um, and I know you like this one. Yeah, it's a good one. It's it's not up to Mario Kart 8. like it. Well, I think it actually does now, but w- when it came out last summer and I reviewed it right after release it didn't have as many tracks as mario kart 8 but it's had a lot of uh, post-release support now so i think actually now it might have as many as mario kart 8 did and uh the loading times kind of suck but yeah that, that's that's been my one but uh, looks great yeah it's, I think it's it a beautiful game uh, it's made by the same people who did the spyro the dragon remake mm-hmm. and yeah the crash bandicoot remake so it's a great looking game uh, and it was funny actually because i was uh, i started Son- uh, team sonic racing and i was like really you're going to release a kart game that looks like this on the same <laughs> console that has mario kart um and then yeah this this is a lot better but not not quite at mario kart's level but nintendo know their hardware so yeah yeah so that that's uh, the last kart racer that i played uh, so the next one i wanted to try was a more serious uh, racing game uh, so I picked up Grid Autosport. Um, now this this one's interesting. So with the wheel again, not natively supported. It's a it's a serious racer. You think it would be? I, I was kind of hopeful from things I'd read on the internet, uh, and it was a bit of a pain to set up. So here's why: uh, on the Pro Controller and the Joy-Con, they're not analog triggers. They're either on or off, which isn't great for sim racers where you need to be able to just like you know increase your acceleration a little bit. To get around this, console racing games as far back as Gran Turismo 1 on PS1 used the emergence of dual analog sticks to help with that. So you could use a scheme where you'd use the left uh, on left and right on the left analog stick to steer as you would anyway, and you'd use the up and down on the right analog stick to manage acceleration and braking. Sounds terrible. It is. It was like rubbing your belly and patting your head at the same time. Um, so, but as a way to get around the uh, the trigger thing, Grid offers this as a control scheme, um, but then you can use that as your basis for remapping the pedals on the wheel. So in-game, you map your uh, gear up and down to the left and right buttons, which is what the paddles are, which is where the gear up 
gear up and down should be then it gets complicated so you have to uh, it's got the d-pad left stick and right stick switch on the top of the wheel you have to select that to right stick so the d-pad emulates the right stick uh, then you use the wheels own mapping system to map the right pedal to up and the left pedal to down and then you switch that switch all the way back to the left so you can navigate the game as normal uh, and then by doing this you then get analog acceleration so you can press slightly on the accelerator for a slight acceleration uh, which makes a huge difference for getting around some of these corners uh, and improves the handling a lot hmm. so yeah bit, bit complicated to get it set up but once you do it's great you can also just uh, use the button remapping to use the normal control scheme if you still want to just use the on off type uh, acceleration that's fine but I, 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 it's, it's not quite as good because you know there are some corners you want to take gently so yeah, but from there the handling's fine. Uh, I do have a a worry that the bigger wheel might be better suited because you you've got that optional wider turning. Uh, I feel like the 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 mini wheel is perfect for kart races. It could just be me needing to get used to that, and there there is a part of the game where that that might be the case too. Um, so the game itself, Grid Autosport. Uh, it's a port of the original game from last gen. It's not to be confused with this gen's reboot, which is simply called Grid. Uh, Grid Autosport is a weird mix of sim and arcade-style racing. Uh, so it's got handling that's light and floaty, like kind of like Ridge Racer, uh, but the uh, like the way you navigate the track with your acceleration and braking is very simmy, and it's got super aggressive AI. Uh, but there is a really deep... Uh, racing team sim in here so with that the, the light handling means the wheel takes a little while to get used to especially without force feedback um so yeah so that's why i think the full size wheel might be better with that adjustable turning angles um probably easier there i'm gonna give it more time because i've only really scratched the surface with the the wheel on this on this game just for the purpose of making notes i was playing with the pad just before and i had more success with that even without the uh the analog acceleration mm. uh so i'm, I'm going to spend more time on that uh sort of after we finish the podcast and, and see if i can get get the hang of the wheel the career mode in this is super in-depth uh so like a lot of codemasters races you you get you start off as a rookie racer you get offers to join a team for a season uh your options are numerous so there's a bunch of different styles represented so you've got touring car you've got endurance races you've got tuner uh, which i will never touch because it's all about drift racing there's open wheel so you've got your formula one style races i don't think there's actually formula one in this uh, and there's street races as well uh, and then you so you join the team and then you have to try and achieve their goals for you which is how you get to be considered a success so they, they start pretty low which is like finish eighth or higher and the more successful you are the better jobs will come up as you work your way up the ranks. Um, as a team sim, you have another racer in your team. While you're racing, you have your uh, pit crew in your ear feeding you information, telling you what's going on. You can request uh, technical updates on your car to see if it's having problems. Uh, the race I just had just now, they're, they're like, you're a bit dented, but otherwise the car's working fine, etc. You can ask how far ahead the person in front is so you can get an idea of how aggressive you need to be and you, you've also got some sort of control over your teammates so you can ask that they, they're more aggressive to help you out or you can ask them to 
to ease off to sort of let you win, which is a you know strategy real racing teams do. But there are a lot of uh, mod cons in this game. So like a lot of modern sims, it has a, a lot of accessibility elements such as you know the racing line is on the track at all times which you can turn off if you don't want it um i always find this really useful when i'm getting the hang of uh, a new sim racer so I, I tend to leave it on for a while until i get a handle on the tracks uh, and this uh, also has rewinds so it's the first game to include them uh, which falls are then stole afterwards so you make a mistake you can hit the x button it'll rewind like up to a minute and then you can try and fix your mistake uh, so yeah so i've i've only just finished like the first race of my my with my first team enjoying it a lot there's a lot to to delve into um it might not quite be as deep as a gran turismo but it's it's definitely the the most in-depth racing game the switch has at the moment it also looks superb um the game there's no physical copy here in australia i, I tried my hardest but uh it's a 6.5 gigabyte download uh, and then there's a free high-res texture pack uh, which is 2.8 gig, uh, which is especially for TV mode, as, as it tells you. Uh, but it, it looks great. Like It's definitely up to par with how the game looked on, on previous gen, at the very least. Um, honestly, it's it's. I've played a, a bunch of Codemasters racing games over the years. They know what they're doing with this genre, and, and this is one of their best for sure. And I'm glad it's here on Switch. Some final thoughts on the wheel experience. I want more kart races with adventure modes on this console please diddy kong racing remake i the next line on my notes here was remake diddy kong racing <laughs> um and you know what i would love for like the next mario kart to lean more heavily into the idea of this is a motorsport with some sort of career mode where you pick a team you qualify for the races you have to work your way up the cc ranks like i, I would love that because i love mario kart 8 but it is a little light in the modes if you're not wanting to play online all the time it definitely won't <laughs> no it won't but i can dream but if, if they remake diddy kong racing oh my that will be a lot of fun so that's it thanks for the recommendation on the wheel andrew yeah happy to be right all the time <laughs> sometimes all the time this is one of those times i'll play youtube's <laughs> Uh, and there's no real Switch news again, so we're just going to jump into the other stuff we've been playing this week. Let's start with Murder by Numbers, uh, Andrew, because as a huge Picross fan, uh, I know you've been looking forward to this one, which sort of, it, it puts the uh, Picross mechanic into the realm of a murder mystery. How are you going with it? Yeah, that, that pretty well describes it. Murder by Numbers is a combination of a really dialogue-driven murder mystery game. I, I, I see it constantly referred to as Phoenix Wright, but it's really not that in-depth. Mm. Uh, one of the characters, one of the main characters is Honor Mizrahi, who was a supporting character on a detective show in Hollywood who gets laid off at the end of a season. They don't renew her contract. And then minutes later, she, the producer of the show gets murdered. And since she was friends with this producer, even though she just got fired, she, she decides to solve the murder mystery herself. And she does. And she goes off into this own career. And that's kind of what the rest of the game is, is, is following her as she 
grows in fame and esteem as this private detective uh, after getting laid off from her private detective murder mystery show. And she's helped along the way by a robot that she meets in the parking lot of her studio. Uh, the robot's name is Scout, which is an acronym, but I, I haven't yet gotten far enough to find out what that acronym stands for. I'm sure it's mm-hmm. going to be part of the twist with Scout. But uh, Scout is introduced in the story waking up in a junkyard, uh, booting up Terminator style, basically, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and has amnesia, of course, because this is a, a video game, so somebody has to have amnesia. And But the robot... Yeah, yeah, it's a robot. <laughs> Interestingly. <laughs> yeah, and uh, since the whole game is set in the 90s, uh, Scout is a very 90s-style robot. It's basically a giant CRT-style computer monitor that we've, <laughs> we've basically completely moved past now with little hover pods on it so it can move around. And it's got a little very simple bitmap face on it. It's, it's, it's an appealing-looking character. It's very, It's got a great 90s aesthetic to it. Uh, and that, that's where all the pie cross comes in is because even though all the game is played from like a third person perspective where like you see the characters standing on screen, they talk to each other, including Scout, but the game seems to be played from Scout's perspective. It's kind of, it's a little confusing, but how Scout processes all the evidence is he has to first look at it and scan it into his system and every time you do that it's a pie cross puzzle and so you find evidence you solve a puzzle and then it adds that evidence to your little catalog of things and then you can go around and talk to people you can interrogate all the witnesses and you can show them all the stuff that you found and i think that's sounds similar to phoenix right but you know with phoenix right there's a specific order you have to do things in and if you don't do things just right then you will lose or you'll have to start that case over in this one it's not really the case this is a lot more of a brute force puzzle game Uh, Mm -hmm. you, you just talk to everybody you do all the dialogue trees that you can with everybody and you show everything that you have to everybody and you'll solve the the, the mystery there's really not a lot of logic to work through it's it's really just following along with the story and plugging all of your items into every available socket you can find <laughs> uh, it, it's not complicated it doesn't need to be it's a charming story it's a fun story but like it the the mystery aspects of it really aren't where the focus of the game is at this is just a mystery story with Picross puzzles in it and as for the Picross itself um this has the best Picross tutorial of any Picross video game I've played. It actually teaches you the crossover technique, which is one of the most important techniques for high-level Picross play. And the puzzles in the story aren't all that hard. I haven't really gotten stuck on any of them. And when you're doing the puzzles, you're being scored on your performance. It has the standard Picross uh, helpers on it where when you have the right number of pixels in a row it'll gray out that number if you want you can toggle it so that way it will show you the rows that have solvable puzzles or uh or have valid solutions in them at that moment or you can even just ask for help with a with the press of a button and if you ask for help then your score goes down and to get an s rank on each of the four cases you have to do every puzzle without asking for help 
And you want the S rank because those will open up the scout's memories Picross puzzles, which are just much harder Picross puzzles that you can do from the main menu. And if you can finish, if you can unlock and then finish all of the scout's memories puzzles for each case, then you'll unlock an extra cutscene that shows what was going on in scout's past that made him lose his memory and the people who created him and what he was created for. I think if, if you're interested in Picross, then this is probably the best starting point I've ever seen, at least on the Switch. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I've talked about Picross a lot on the podcast. Whenever there's one that comes out, I usually play it and talk about it. But usually when I've played them, I have then not recommended them because it's it's a tough game to get into. But this has a good tutorial. The puzzles aren't that hard unless you're getting into the Scout's memories, and those are completely optional. Uh, and it's got the story to get you going between each puzzle. So I think if you want to learn how to play Picross, this is the best entry point for you so far. Yeah, I do think I, I need that story impetus to get me through. Uh, I've got the, uh, was it Picross S? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I, I sort of thought I'd got my head around the whole Picross concept and then hit levels where they took away the, the safety net and then just <laughs> end, ended up frustrated because I was like, nope, okay. I didn't. I don't understand this like I thought I did. So, yeah, I, I I get the basic concept, but I think the story would definitely help me get through one of these games for sure. Yeah, and this, like I said, this has the tutorial for the crossover technique, which is like the wall basically between mm-hmm. a newbie and somebody who really knows what they're doing in Picross. And this mm-hmm. this game just it just teaches you how to do it. Whereas. Uh, the first Picross game I played was Twilight Princess Picross on 3DS, which was a free mm-hmm. giveaway uh, through the My Nintendo Rewards program. <laughs> so <laughs> it's all Nintendo's fault that I'm in this because uh, they uh, they gave me a sampler that got me hooked. But I had to learn that <laughs> trick for myself just by playing the game long enough, just recognizing the pattern that I was unconsciously working towards. But this game yeah. just just flat out tells you in Lesson 2 this is how you do the crossover. This is how you really fill in squares in partially partially solved lines, which is amazing. <laughs> I might get it just for that alone. <laughs> uh, cool. So then uh, the last game we're going to talk about this week uh, is the, the quote-unquote big release, uh, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Rescue Team uh, DX, which is a... Uh, a remaster of uh, I think it was two separate DS games uh, it's a Game Boy Advance game and a DS game I think ah okay yeah uh, and I know there was a blue version and a, a red version etc like there is with the the old mainline Pokemons and uh, if the Mystery Dungeon part sounds familiar that's because uh, there was Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon remastered on the Switch last year this treads so much similar ground to that game uh, that it's impossible for me not to draw comparisons because it, it's functionally the same game, uh, but with a Pokemon skin. I think the dungeon, like the actual engine that creates the randomly generated dungeons, I think mm-hmm. it's the same engine. Yeah, <laughs> totally agree. Um, so with that, uh, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Rescue Team is a turn-based roguelite dungeon crawler. Uh, you play as a human that has randomly transformed into a Pokemon, uh, and to to select that that Pokemon, you have to do an aptitude test, which was uh, quite novel. Um, so I went through the questions, and uh, I got a sassy type. 
apparently I'm very sassy. And it gave me Trico, which I did not like, so I overrode the decision and picked Charmander. Uh, what did you get on the aptitude test? I was a courageous matchup, which I was kind of resenting because I think matchup is super boring. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I, I went with it and I was like, okay, I'll try matchup. Maybe, maybe it'll turn around on me, but nah uh when i do come back to this game i'm going to start a new game and i'm just going to pick <laughs> pick cubone cubone is more my speed yeah well i was like cool cool sassy that's gonna mean fire right because that's the the type i always pick in pokemon <laughs> games and no it gave me a stupid tree lizard so i was like nope not happy with this so yeah so you you end up transported to the world of pokemon uh and you pick a partner i picked uh, squirtle because i thought water good option to have with a fire type so i can account for a different um pokemon types uh, and events happen you you find out there's a pokemon in danger and you and your your partner pokemon form a rescue team to go save them and and that then becomes a career path for them apparently and yeah so that's the structure you then get missions to go save pokemon and and do some other missions uh, from from dungeons around the world and from there, its world structure is almost exactly like Chocobo, Chocobo Mystery Dungeon. So you've got like your, your hub world. There, there is banks to store items, banks to store money so you don't lose them. Because being a road light, if you die, you will lose everything in your inventory. <laughs> uh, there's, there's places to train and, and all this sort of stuff. You can... Sometimes when you rescue a Pokemon, they might want to join your team. So there's an area where you can... Uh, store them basically it's uh it's like a camp zone i think they called it uh so the first one you get is uh magnemite and they're living in the power plant uh camp and i can call them into battle uh next time i go into a dungeon apparently so i I, i've just finished the first main tutorial dungeon i've beaten the first boss uh, and i'm probably gonna stop there i think for now because uh, we were talking about this before recording, like it's making me miss Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon. I, have, mm-hmm. I feel so bad that I haven't beaten that before starting this, because I, I was so close to the end in Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon and just hit a wall. Um, that's going to bring me onto some concerns that I have about this game. So obviously there are numerous amounts of Pokemon in you know across all the games. What? Well, over 800 900 they're over 900 uh, now there's too many <laughs> yeah and so the pokemon in this game sort of are the analog to the class system in chocobo's mystery dungeon where you can yeah. change your class on a whim um now the problem with chocobo's mystery dungeon is it's difficulty let me get away with using one or two classes for much of the game until a certain point where it was like bam now you need to to play around mm. and there is no no easy way to to level those other classes up apart from just repeat things which i kind of don't want to do so my 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 strategy for getting through this last chuck of a mystery dungeon level is um, i'm just gonna it's either gonna be i'm gonna have to spend time grinding the other classes up or i'm just gonna have to try brute force it with the the, the class i do have that's really high um but the the modifier on this one is that there is this training system which apparently from what I read, is pretty easy to to level your Pokemon up once you get the hang of it. So I don't know if that's like you'll get out of jail free card with this one. How far have you got into this so far? Not far. Like I don't even think I got as far as you did because I don't remember fighting any bosses. But ah, okay. <laughs> playing it, I was just like, I would rather be playing Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon because <laughs> the class system is a lot more flexible. I feel like in mm-hmm. that game, 
and the partner system is a lot more coherent like you make buddies in in the town in Mm -hmm. chocobo's mystery dungeon you can you can choose which one to bring with you whereas in this one you've got your main character that you play as and you got your partner and that's that's who you get but and then you can have all the different pokemon which you can recruit who hang around in camps and you can bring like five or six into a dungeon with you at the same time Mm -hmm. which like i i found just moving around with two to be kind of ponderous so like i was like i don't i'm not really excited to deal with that many at a time obviously i played chocobo's mystery dungeon a lot more so i'm a lot more invested in it and i've got Mm -hmm. a much better handle on its systems than i do in this one but i feel a lot more drawn to chocobo's mystery dungeon than to this one this one feels very rudimentary right now we discussed last week uh, you had it on your list to play i was still uncertain if i was going to get it right away having played it i i'm glad i did because i think i will enjoy it but um it it is on the back burner because there Mm. are so many uh, big rpgs i've not finished on switch yet that that deserve my time ahead of it um and one of those is the game that it's almost exactly like functionally so (laughs) i i kind of feel bad for it because just you know from my situation it's coming in at a disadvantage but um i i do like what i've played um i'm gonna make some political commentary here conservatives will hate this game uh, Uh because uh, you know your your character you come from another world you arrive in the world of pokemon and you just get a free house (laughs) that's funny (laughs) because like my reaction was i i I've just gone through this very traumatic thing of being dropped into, you know, having my body completely changed against my will and I don't know why. And then this this monster basically says, here, have this house. And I look at it, it's like, that's a cave. <laughs> <laughs> Two very different perspectives. <laughs> um, so uh, you were the Machop, who's a fighting type. Mm-hmm. How was... How did the house look to you? Because I'm just because mine, um, like the bed was like a a massive like fiery fiery rock. Oh, so I just wanted to know if you maybe, maybe it different. changes depending on which Pokemon you get. Mine was like literally like a, it wasn't a cave, but it was like a, a stone dome, and everything mm-hmm. was made out of rock. So yeah, I think I got something a little different from you. Maybe it looks like a Flintstones house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it for me on there there's not much more to say about it because anything i can say is just gonna hark back to chocobo's mystery dungeon <laughs> um functionally it's the same game uh just with a pokemon skin um where you touched on the engine being the same i, I without knowing and without googling I, I i take a good guess at this being just exactly the same developers hired for the same purpose like well like a, yeah the mystery dungeon rogue. series is long running and popular um mm-hmm. And like Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon, the remake on Switch was a, a Wii game, and this is a, a Game Boy Advance slash DS game, so mm-hmm. it came out in the same sort of time frame. Uh, yeah, the funny thing was, when I got Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon, I didn't realize that I'd already owned it on Wii, and hadn't realized <laughs> for like a year, just because I'd never got around to playing it. Um, so yeah, so, so I, th- I think people who pick it up will have a a good time with it as long as they know they're getting the like a, a rogue like a rogue light more to the point um i'd say yeah get chocobo's mystery dungeon and if you play that and you like that and you want more then get this 
yeah i reckon i reckon that's good advice but it, you know i i kind of like the idea that there's these you know series of games that's the same and you can just pick the flavor that you like so if you're more of a pokemon fan this would be the obvious choice if you love final fantasy uh, like i do chocobo's mystery dungeon is there for you I'd be fine with more of these games coming to the Switch, honestly. They're, they're good. Uh, I like them. I'd like a new one, not not a remake of a 10 to 15 year old one, but yeah, I'd be down. I'd be down for more. Okay, Andrew, what are you playing over the coming week? I am backlogged on way too many games, so I need to finish some of the games I've started, but Murder by <laughs> Numbers, Doom 2, I'm like halfway through, Two Point Hospital, which the levels are really starting to get long. Like it's taking a lot of effort to finish these hospitals now in two point hospital. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there is something coming out next Friday that I'm interested in. It's called Alder's blood and the store page sells it as a cross between darkest dungeon X common bloodborne. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, Uh, hello. Yeah. Hello. Three things I like. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it's got a 40% off discount. If you already own, a couple other games from the same publisher so i can get it Ooh. for a really good price on opening day so uh, i'm gonna pick that one up and hope for the best cool i will uh, i think i'm gonna look at that because you've just ticked three of my my boxes there cool i have nothing written here but uh, I'm, I'm probably just gonna rush through the uh the crash campaign funny with uh, team sonic racing i i archived the game as soon as i'd finished it i'm probably not going to do that with crash i think i'm going to want to play some of that in multiplayer because it seems pretty fun and you you should check out the grand prix too because crash team racing has its last grand prix which is like kind of like a, a retail game version of a live service game uh, mm-hmm. but this is their last one and it ends at the end of march i think so okay that's like your last chance to do it after that you can still get the rewards from the capsule machine that's in the game just by using the coins you earn from every race but yep. like if you actually want to do the grand prix and do all the activities that they give you to do this is your last chance yeah you mentioned this uh, during the week and i had no idea they they were supporting it uh, i just figured uh, activision would have been a one and done with this yeah i think that's more toys with bob who did the spyro the dragon remake and the crash bandicoot remake they they seem like they're they get pretty invested in their projects so which is nice to hear. So, yeah. Uh, so I'll try and check some of that out. Uh, I I understand the the adventure mode is a bit shorter than Sonic, so I imagine I'll get through that pretty quickly. Uh, depending on how much I feel like diving into the the secondary objectives and and all that. So I'll see how I go. So yeah. So that's about it for me. I'm I'm also going to cover some backlog stuff and uh, go from there. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Switch Focus podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us to get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast services. One of those is Spotify. Uh, be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively Switch Focus community. Follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at switchfocuspodcast.com for updates, news, and other content. Links are in the show notes. If you'd like to support the show, you can buy us a coffee. Details for that are on our website. Thanks in advance. Uh, this show was edited by Craig Windle. You can follow him on Twitter at Craig, where you can also follow his music career, which is at Windmills at Dawn. Uh, and you can follow the two of us individually on Twitter too. I'm at Flame Roast Toast, and Andrew is at Play Critically.
played a match today where we had no medics, which became a problem really quickly because it drops you into a, the mission we're on, drops you into this just hot zone and all the the only medic we had just died. Did I say mimic before? 